The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Going to read from the New International Version. My beloved sound man, would you heat me up just a little bit more, please? And my monitor, thank you so much. Look, glory to God. Just a touch more if you can without getting feedback. Appreciate that. Luke chapter 10, very good. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And... Um, Someone said, do I have to stand up when you're reading? No, you don't have to stand up. But it's a custom we have. It's just to honor the word. That's all. He said, well, I can't because my legs are sore. Well, then stand up on the inside. If you're able to stand up, then please do that just in honor of God's word. If you're not able to, just do it in your heart. Luke chapter 10. You ready? Are you ready? What a text of scripture. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Yeah. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Oh, my, my. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. I know some of you ladies be greatly disappointed that you don't get to bring your purse. And I guess some of the men would be disappointed as well. And do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating, drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, uh-oh, come on, someone say, uh-oh, uh-oh. Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning against you. Yet be sure of this, the, gospel, the, the, the kingdom, pardon me, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed, performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No. You'll go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy. 
and said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we sense your presence, your power through worship and all the different things that have taken place tonight now as I preach your word. I pray that indeed you'd give us all ears to hear and hearts to respond. That your word as it goes forth would perform the purpose for which you're sending it. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the yoke-destroying, burden-lifting power of God. I thank you indeed that darkness, scorpions, demons, everything that's contrary to your plan and your will submits now. Under the power of the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. We pray, God, that from tonight's message, we'd be stirred to action, that something would happen deep in our hearts. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's a powerful text of Scripture that I've studied many times before. Two things the text talks about. One of the things is that when they return, the Lord rejoices. He's so pleased. With, with, with joy they return and he's, he's really rejoicing with them. He, he sends out the 72. There's 72 disciples he sends out. And he says that I saw Satan fall like lightning. Now, many scholars would say that as a reference to the fall of Lucifer being hurled to the earth as it's talked about in Ezekiel and in Isaiah. But it's really out of context. And we know for certain that the, the triune God, Jesus, there seeing Satan fall like lightning when he said, I'll ascend to the sides of the north and become like God, he was hurled down. So we know for sure that he did see that. But in the context of this text, it's saying when you all returned, when you were out there taking authority over demons, healing the sick, declaring the kingdom of God has come near you, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Basically what he's saying is because the power of the kingdom was released through you in the community, in the towns in which you went, the demonic structures and strongholds in the heavenlies were torn down. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And it's like this amazing party homecoming as they return. Really amazing. It's a beautiful picture of what will happen to see the power of darkness diminished if we'll learn to do what they did. And Jesus there in, in verse 21, Jesus full of joy rejoices in the spirit over what is done. I, I don't know about you, but I would venture to say if you're saved, you love God, you long to see the devil just get hammered. He already has been by the cross, but I long to see him just be completely defeated in the fullness of the kingdom. The fullness of the kingdom be released here in the earth. And I'm just so blessed when I see sickness go and pe people overcoming disease and, and, and a wood to God to see people raised from the dead. I've seen a cat raised from the dead, but I'm not sure I've seen someone, well, maybe I have seen someone raised from the dead. It's another message. But it's a wonderful thing to contend for that. 
As we look at this text, you see this is different than in Luke 9. Luke 9 is worthy to go look at. Uh, in Luke 9, Jesus gathers these disciples and he sends them out six teams of two. So there's, they go two by two in Luke 9 and there's six teams and he sends them out and the effects of what they did on their tour, on their short-term mission trip, the effects of what they did actually was heard at the governor's office. It was heard in, in, in Herod's halls, in political halls because of what was happened. Herod's like, oh no. Was it John the Baptist? Oh no, what, what's happened? So impactful was the release of God's power that actually people in political halls heard about it and were astounded. This release of workers. So now here in Luke 10, he releases 72 different people, not just two teams of, not, not two by two and six teams, but now 72. You say, why would, why would the Lord do that? Let's look at this text. Why is the Lord releasing laborers? Why does the Lord ask us to pray for laborers? Well, the first thing is, if you're taking notes, there's a great need. There's a people who are hurting and broken and desperate and hungry and thirsty, like in the book of John, all gathered around the, the, the pool there, longing for the stirring of the pool. But the pool's not going to be stirred anymore because he comes to stir your heart and stir mine and put a boldness on the inside of us that when we lay hands on the sick, we'll see people recover. The need was great. Everybody say the need was great. Why did Jesus bring this sending out of the 72? There's a huge need. The problem here in Alaska, you listening? It has nothing to do with the harvest. The problem in America has nothing to do with the harvest. It has everything to do, when I say harvest, souls. It's not that people don't want Jesus. It's not that people that are even rejecting him, oh, of course they are in some places. Really, the problem is that there's not enough people filled with Holy Spirit firepower to overcome darkness and bring his kingdom into, the, into political halls, into schools, marketplace. There's not enough workers. The problem's not with people. The problem is with laborers. We don't have enough. And he says that. The problem's not with the, not with the harvest. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth laborers. I don't know uh, if you've ever done any farming before. If you've done farming, if you've been a participant in harvesting uh, grass here, and hay, I've done that here in Palmer. And man, I, you know, the moisture's gotta be right in the hay. There's all kinds of ways to test why there's moisture testers. You, you have to flail it and flip it and the wind's gotta blow and the sun's gotta be right and you pray it doesn't rain. And, and if it's gonna rain, I mean, you're on your knee, reaching your hands towards the cloud. Oh God, let the rain go away because if the, if the hay gets moldy, it's no good and you can lose a whole harvest. I've, I've been in fields, stood there with my hands and next to the farmer, raised my hands to heavens with him, and we just prayed and saw the clouds just go around his whole hundred acres. And he's like, let's get it up, let's turn it, let's get it going. And the problem isn't with the grass, there's lots of grass. 
We, we could add lots more equipment to hurry up and get it done. Equipment's expensive. The point is, you need laborers. It's not the problem with the harvest. The problem's with laborers. We need laborers. We need, we need people in Eagle River. We need people to step up. We need children's workers. We need people to, to join and be a part of missions and all of that. And, and, and the need was great. Everybody say, the need was great. You have to understand that multiplication and the release of laborers will come, listen, as a result of prayer. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. I mean, why would he say that? Because prayer is the key ingredient to releasing workers. You know, we'd like to think it's something else maybe, you know, in our, our Western culture. If we just need another seminar, another good book, maybe a little guest speaker, you know, a little fire, a little anointing. I mean, I, I'm all for guest speakers, books, and anointing. But prayer is that which, see, no one can touch the human heart but God by his spirit. And if God can touch your heart, God can touch my heart to, to, to move us forward to do something for him. That's only going to happen by prayer. If you get manipulated into serving God, you won't be doing it for long and you'll burn out. I don't believe in ministry burnout. Amen. Not that I don't believe in it. I believe in it, but I, it, it means if you're burning out, it means there's something's out of order in your life. If you're burning out in your job, burning out, then you might not be in the will of God or you might have things out of order. I love what the one writer said, you know, you need to have a balanced life. Now, I think that can be taken to extremes and actually become an idol when God's calling you to lay everything down and serve with your hair on fire. But, oh, no, I need to keep my family balanced. Now, sometimes your family needs to get in the yoke and you all lay it down to get it done. You know, I mean, you could talk about that with, um, you know, farmers had big families. The reason they had big families is because they need more laborers. That's right. They say, well, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to make my own with God's help. Praise the Lord. The Lord wants to release laborers and workers. It comes as a result of prayer. Yes. I'm praying for laborers, and I'm so thankful. But if you, get, if you get launched into ministry, launched into service of the Lord through manipulation, then, then that'll never work. It'll never work, and you will burn out, and you'll be resentful. And if you're doing it to please man, man, that gets really old. Really, really old. See, how do you know about that? Because I did it. I wanted the that a boy. I wanted the pat on my back. I did it for years. I'd say yes to everything when, in fact, it wasn't, it wasn't the Lord. I was saying yes to everything that came across my desk, yes to every invitation to any kind of ministry. But what suffered was my wife, my family, my children. I'd come home. This is years ago. It's not now. I learned a long time ago. If something comes across my desk that's going to destroy my family, give it back to the devil, even if it's a church ministry. Smile at me. I'm not saying church ministries from the devil. I'm telling you the devil will get you to be involved and over-involved and over-committed to the point where you're actually causing things to be out of order. And again, it can be an idol. I've seen that. It can be excuse. No, I can't. I got, you know, I can't. But at the same time, I've seen people destroy their family. That can burn out. That, that, that's terrible. But when God puts a burden in your heart, when God puts a fire in your spirit yeah. to do something for him, there's nothing quite like that. Yeah. You know, this morning, I took my family out to 
lunch at a local restaurant. And um, I was overwhelmed as I sat there because of experiencing the incredible joy it is to do exactly, specifically, what I'm supposed to do in the earth, I am doing it. Amen. And I know that I know that I know I'm right in the perfect will of God. And that is an amazing, an amazing sense of fulfillment. And you gotta stay there because he'll continue to speak to you. But the release of God's workers comes through prayer and Jesus empowers them. He gives them power. Aren't you glad when he said, come on, if you had to be sent to go buy a gallon of milk, you'd need like $15 if you were in the village. Or maybe it's 20. If you had to be sent, come on, some of you, maybe when you were kids, your mama, I remember the milk box. Anybody remember the milk box and milkman? That little metal box outside the house, Highwood Road. I fell on it and put a hole in my face when I was like zero. <laughs> Couple years of age, maybe three or four. We don't have milkmen anymore. People go and get their own milk. But can you imagine, I go to the store, they go to Safeway, they go to Fred Meyers, they go to some supermarket to buy milk. What would it be like, I mean, how would it be to send your young, your young lad to go buy milk and give him 50 cents? Now, you can't buy a gallon of milk for 50 cents. More like um, uh, six or seven bucks, five bucks, let's say. Right? So, Minister Kimmy, if you sent your boy to go buy milk, and let's say it's $5 a gallon, would you give him $5? Well, you have to add tax on it there, yeah. So I'd give him, <laughs> I'd add some more. So, so the answer is yes. She would give him enough money to go buy the milk. Do you understand? When Jesus sends you, he doesn't put lint in your pocket. He gives you the power of God to get the job done. It's not just something. He doesn't send you and you don't have anything. He sends you, he anoints you to do what he's called you to do. And so he puts power on this team that he sends out on this short-term mission. And it's, it's amazing. He, he prepares them with an urgency to visit the towns that he's going to visit. You know, we live at a time in history where prophets prophesied that we would be living in. We live in a time of history where an explosion of church growth is taking place, though media doesn't advertise it and it's not promoted because it's not popular but I'm telling you that Christianity is spreading at an unprecedented rate people are being saved healed and delivered like never before more people have been raised from the dead than you can possibly imagine it is amazing it's amazing what God's doing and if God's going to do something in this state He's going to have to put some anointing, some power, some enablement on you, on me, and he's going to have to call us. He, you're going to have to obey. I'm going to have to obey, and then we're going to see a great revival. It will not happen by one or two people. I'm telling you, there's no guest that's coming to this state to bring a, a great awakening. Amen. It's going to happen by you having a great awakening. It's going to be happening by me, by us coming together, having our, our, our hearts illuminated to know he's not given us lint. Yeah. 
He's not given us, no, well, he's not given us, the, you know, an insufficient amount of power to get the job done. He has given us the power to get the job done. And there are demons to be cast out. There are people to be healed. And, I, and furthermore, you can't separate the gospel of the kingdom from casting out devils and healing the sick. I don't know how you d- dumb it down to just some teaching and simple salvation unless you're really defining salvation and the true meaning of what sozo means, which is healing, deliverance, provision. That's what salvation sozo really means. But if you dumb it down, and I, I do mean that. I mean dumb it down to just somebody getting saved. I, I do believe it's the greatest miracle. We can't underestimate the truth of God's word and giving your heart to Christ and being redeemed, being translated out of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. You, can, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. But if you leave somebody in that place and you don't give them their 450 kasul in the spirit... You don't hook them up with the 44 Magnum in the spirit. You don't teach them how to cast out devils. You don't get them filled with the spirit. And you send them out. They're going to get, that's like sending them with lint. So there you face somebody and it's trying to buy the milk. But you know, it's like, oh, oh, yeah. There's great power encounters to be brought. The demonstration of God's power, the kingdom of God, happens through the casting out of, listen to me, listen. God's kingdom is put on display through you, through me, through the casting out of devils, through the healing of the sick, and through people coming to salvation. You cannot separate those items. Healing and salvation were all purchased at the cross. And it's a crime not to put the enemy down. It's a crime not to put the enemy in his place. There are people that might even be here tonight. You're being ravaged. Your home is under attack. And you're there wringing your hands, hoping that God's going to come and help you. He's come to help you through me, through this bald-headed preacher, to tell you, you have authority. You have power. You've been gi- you have not been given lint. You have what it takes by the Holy Spirit to drive out darkness, to heal the sick, and set the captives free. It's something to get excited about. And if you don't have it, don't make an excuse for the lack of power. Don't make an excuse and then change your theology to back your inability. You know, dumb and dumb. Well, I don't know. I don't believe in that because I don't have that. Well, who made you the rule and standard? How about let's read the word. Jesus sent them out. He sent them out two teams, uh, two by two, six teams. Twelve of them he sent out in Luke 9. Now he sends out 72. And he gave them power. He gave them power. He gave them what? He gave them power. There's an urgency. And the thing that amazes me also, and never forget this, when I first saw this and heard it preached to me, it was by my pastor, our senior leader, Dr. James Morocco. And it's so true. Although when I first heard it, I didn't really like it, and I had to really just take a look at it. In the hand of the, of the gospel... As you bring the gospel to people, let me tell you what you're serving them. You're serving them on one hand, freedom, healing, blessing, and the kingdom. Yet in your other hand, should they reject you, you're serving them judgment. Judgment. 
Now that's not a popular thing, but it's absolutely biblical that judgment or blessing are both in the hands of God. And you can reject his gospel, turn away from him, and woe to you. It'll be worse for you than it would be in Sod- for Sodom in the day of judgment. There's a day of judgment for nations. There's a day of judgment coming for all of us. And the blessing of God and, and the cursings of God both come when we preach the gospel. He said, well, that's kind of sobering. Yes, it is. It's a dividing line. There's a principle in God to whom much has been given, much is required. You know, we've been mightily blessed in this place. I know it's Sunday night. I'm not going to preach a little long to you. But I know we've been blessed to this place. And God has given us a measure of power and anointing. Don't take it for granted. Don't, don't, don't take it for granted. Don't let your kids take it for granted. Don't become a Uzzah. Don't become just familiar with the things of the Spirit. Don't, don't reduce your, your experience with God to some little religious thing and compartmentalize your walk so that when you walk out of here and then you go off to work tomorrow, you know, it's like you, you've got the Christian mindset but then you're at work and so none of that really works there because but that's a, such a lie it's such a lie we need to bring the gospel into the highways and byways not with lint so let me ask you what are you doing to proclaim the gospel what are you doing to proclaim blessing the blessing of God the peace of God he said, well, that, isn't that your job? No, 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 no. Oh, it is also my job, but my job is to get you working for Jesus. My job is to equip you and get you fired up. Come on, if you're spoon-fed all of your life, I mean, you, you know, you'd go to a doctor if you had to, well, they're just still on baby food. They're 45 years old, but we still feed them pablum. Uh, Oh. Oh. Yay. Many Christians are like that. And I'm reminded of a vision that Jim LaFoon had right in this moment. I'm going to share it with you. The vision he had was all of these Christians in these hot houses. Do you know what a hot house is? <laughs> and it was like a giant chicken coop. And all these Christians and they're they're and they're they're standing on these padded floors and and everything's temperature controlled and you know right at the right time shing comes down some food and you can have a little bit of water and there's wonderful music that's playing and everybody's just enjoying their Christian clucking. (laughs) Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of Christians in this hot house, protected from the cold wind, growing to a certain degree. And then in one moment, the floor gives way, the hothouse is blown to pieces, and all of these believers fall. And when they fall, they hit the ground, and when they hit the ground, they're all crying. 
and extremely upset that they don't have their little food that's coming down at the top of the hour and the little the little uh you know, milk that's being fed to them through the bottle, and the hot house controlled temperature is no longer there, and the and the cold floor, the concrete sure hurt when they hit it, and it's just not as comfortable as it used to be. He said that is what is going to happen. That there's going to come such a shaking that Christians are, are going to they, they really don't have the sort of strength that they could have if they had really been laboring and serving and, and had just been dependent upon pastors who've taken the place of the bridegroom so they could get a, an applaud, so they can get, so they can get some, some pat on the back themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pastors are never supposed to be the bridegroom. We're the friends of the bridegroom. I'm supposed to point you to Jesus. I'm so glad that you love us. We feel that. But I'm not supposed to get you to fall in love with me and addicted to me and addicted to my teaching and my preaching and the anointing. I'm not supposed to get that. I'm supposed to get you addicted to Jesus. I'm supposed to get to connected to the bridegroom so that even though you might not be in church, you can lift your hands and get a touch from God. Even though they might be going south and you can't reach your pastor. You can't reach your small group leader. You can't reach people. You can reach him. You can touch the hem of his garment. And there are so many people that are addicted to Sunday morning hothouse Christian. I'm preaching better than you're a minute. Hothouse Christianity. And there's going to come a moment, I believe, where things shake. I don't know what that looks like. I pray against North Korea and any kind of nuclear bomb. Pray, shut that thing down. I don't know what it's going to take for people to be bounced out of their pablum Christianity. Some of, some of you need to be, you know, weaned. You need to be weaned, some of you. <laughs> Just pretend I'm the evangelist if you're offended right now. I love the Lord, you know, because I... I mean, I love him for a lot of reasons, but can I just let you in on how he deals with me just in case you're feeling like irritated at me? So I'm preaching. I just told you some of you need to be weaned. And the Lord says, how about you? What do you need to be weaned of? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's how it is for me. So I ain't just preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. What is it on the inside of me that is being a hothouse Christian? Is there anything? Is there anything I'm just warming, cuddling myself up to as opposed to moving in in a place of maturity and growth? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Have you made an idol? Yes. I love it. The Lord's message. He's like, have you? I'm like, oh, I don't think so, Lord. I love preaching. You're awesome, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Turn to Mark 16. You know, people aren't going to like you. I've said it. It's, it's humor. It, 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 it's not a true statistic, but it might be. I don't know. Statistically, there's only two or three people that like you anyway. This is not about a popularity contest. It's about obeying God. 
And if you've given your life to Christ, then you owe him your life. Actually, your life is no longer your own. And we're to serve him like that. And there will be obstacles and trials and difficulties and tribulation. There will be things that take place that, that can really offend us and make us feel rejected. Look, if people don't like you, who cares? Stop giving them the control over your life. Listen, I, I, I've got people that don't like me. I feel deeply loved by God first and foremost. And then I've got people that don't like me. I don't really care if you don't like me. But I ain't here for them anyway. All I'm trying to do is obey God. And as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with them and do my part. I'm going to, be, I'm going to repent. I'm going to try to do the best I can to, to mend fences and do those different things to cultivate relationship. But you'll just have people that flat out don't like your face. They don't like the way you act. They don't like the way you go to church. They don't like the fact that you're happy. They don't like the fact that you pray in tongues. Who cares? And now you've got to ask yourself this, my hot house brother and sister, if their, their offense and their rejection of you bothers you so much, then you have to ask yourself, have I placed something before you, Lord? Is their opinion of me so important that it would rock my whole week, upset me so much? Listen, if that happens to you, I'm so sorry. I've been there, but you need healing. And you need to come to understand and know who you really are. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. It doesn't matter if your neighbor loves you. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. But you know, there's some people, they're mean and they're ugly. Mean and ugly. Beauty is skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you can have people in your life that are ugly, and God has a purpose for mean, ugly, and difficult people. And his purpose is to make you like Jesus through it. So buck up, pull yourself up, quit belly aching, and start thanking God for the opportunity to rejoice in the trial that you're having. And, and don't waste any good trial. Okay, so you have to suffer. I would venture to say that most here are not really suffering. No, I, I mean like losing your head at the hands of ISIS and watching your kids be killed. I'd call that suffering. I'd call that even tribulation. In Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. From this text, I preach to cows. No kidding. And humorously, I say, just about every time I say that, I think one of their hooves went up when I was giving an altar call. <laughs> whoever believes in me is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe in me will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And even when they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them at all. They'll place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. There's a revival that's sweeping the nation. Let me tell you how it's sweeping through people. There's a revival that wants to sweep through the nations of the earth. How it's sweeping is through people. God touches a man touches a woman who doesn't care 
is, is more concerned about the, someone's soul than being accepted. And they lay hands on people and they move under an unction, a burden from heaven and see things change. Your life can change. You know, if you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you can change your life. God's waiting there for you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to say yes and press in and receive and then move in a dimension. And the, the level of anointing that you have at first, it, it will grow as you use it. God is a good steward. He's not going to give you some blow the house up anointing if you can't use the anointing you have. If you can't use the power, go, okay, you might feel like you have lint. Well, take that thing out and stick it in the devil's eye. Before you know it, you got something more than lint. Let us not fail in this moment of God's visitation. Let us not fail in this moment, this hour. I know it's summer, but there's still people that need to be saved, healed, delivered, and there always will be. God's speaking to us tonight a number of different ways. One, He's asking you, will you please use the power that I died on the cross and rose again from the grave for? Will you please use my power to set people free? Otherwise, you receive the grace of God in vain. Every time you walk past somebody that you know God is speaking to you to witness to. You know, it's interesting. There's times in my life when I've been very, very sensitive to witnessing and, 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 and reaching people. It's like the Lord is speaking. I would just immediately respond, regardless of what hour, what time, my time frame, my busy schedule, all of that. And I noticed if I would quench that, it just seemed to, he would speak to me less about it. And, and, you know, don't look at me all weird now. Don't look at me with that religious tone of voice you all have because I'm just being honest with you. And then at times where I just stopped obeying in the area of witnessing, and before I know it, I could walk past demonized, broken, hurting, destitute, drug addicts, people whose marriages are going on the rocks, and the, and the gift of discernment seems to have gotten turned off. I've been there. I've been able to walk through the crowd and get all... all Undone. I mean, going to the county fair that's coming up is a difficult thing for me to do. It's difficult because you're looking like, oh, bondage, bondage, oh, and not in judgment. Like, God, somebody help these people. Send them a physician. And it's like, I've sent you. I mean, how do you go to those places and walk past people who are stuck on meth? You can see the abuse. You can see the torment. You can see the confusion and walk right by. I'll quote a favorite preacher of mine. If you can walk by people like that on an ongoing basis and you're filled with the Spirit and you love Jesus, you have a devil on you. I know that's aggressive. But so many times we're more consumed about whether they're going to like me, whether they're going to reject me or not, or I'm going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, hot house. Smile at your neighbor and say, he must be talking about somebody else. He ain't, he ain't talking to me. Go ahead. He must be talking about somebody. Good to be in church. Come on. Look at the other person and say, whoa, Sunday night. Ramahamaha. Come on, tell him. Ramaha. Hey, hallelujah. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Well, glory to God. Well, we can almost get something to eat. Hmm. Look at your other neighbor and say, well, it's 720. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to use you to destroy the works of the devil. You are his method. I am his method. So ask him for boldness. It's a great thing to pray. 
If your heart is, is overcome by the opinions of people and you're afraid of getting wounded, it's because you've been so wounded and hurt before. And, and I have compassion on you for that. But how about, how about contend to get healed from that? How about, how about contend to, to have a, such a deep revelation of your identity in Christ that it totally overwhelms the, the deep desire for people's um, applaud, for people's affection? And you break off that man-pleasing spirit. Yeah. You break... You, you get healed. You break that off and you come to the full ex understand the full acceptance of Jesus Christ of you adopting you as your son and as a son and daughter is more than you need from anybody else. Amen. And if that revelation gets big enough, then you don't really care what anybody thinks. Not in a rude way. In a way that it won't control you anymore. You won't be controlled, oh, high school student. Oh, high school students. You won't be manipulated by the latest Instagram thing or what's all up on it to, to wear and, to, you know, this and that. You, you won't be so handcuffed and shackled to the opinions of your peers. When Jesus gets big in your life, and he, over, he overwhelms you, your, your identity and your, he overwhelms you in understanding who you really are. A blood-washed, born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-smashing Christian that, that the atmosphere, spiritual atmosphere of a room changes when you walk in. Oh, you will have people that will hate you. And then you will find friends that come alongside of like heart and DNA. And then you will find, I'm telling you, the high schools can have a revival if God would just touch one of you or you'd get so desperate and sick and tired of all of that bullying and all that nonsense that takes place. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn in your soul so that when you show up, you don't give a flip about what anybody thinks and you'll witness to them and you'll care and they'll call you a freak and they'll write your names and they'll pop your tires and they'll steal your stuff, but joy will come and fill your, fill your heart and you will be filled with fire and joy and all of a sudden you'll begin to see the atmosphere change. I'm going to tell you that it is a, a battle is on for our high schools and I charge you, students, don't suffer through the torment of another year where somebody picks on you because you're a little heavy or too thin or you're black or you're white or you're yellow. You get so on fire that it burns off all, all the opposition. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.